Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor Daryl Feemster. This is August. School starts back. Yeah? Yeah, the parents are the only one clapping. I understand that. If you're, if you're a teacher or an administrator or if you work in the school system or you work in the educational system here in our county or, or wherever, uh, would, you, would you stand for a moment? I want to pray a prayer over you. Would you stand? And uh, we're, we're excited. Would you just give the Lord a hand for these that are here this morning? We honor you. But I want you to receive this prayer. I pray that, in fact, I do not cease to pray and to ask that you would be filled with the knowledge of the will of God in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That this year you would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him and being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God for yourself. That you would be strengthened with all might according to His glorious power that you would experience all patience and long-suffering with joy. And we give thanks to the Father who has qualified you and us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. That's Colossians 1, 9 through 12. And Father, I pray that you would uh, equip and fill them with your presence and power for this year. Lord, I, I speak, uh, I, I, I ask you to... to, to Put into the children's minds. Lord, I pray for favor in learning this year. I pray that you would restore what the enemy has stolen over the last two years. I pray that you would give them revelation knowledge that they would catch on quick, that literally the teacher's job would be the easiest because God's in the room. And that, Father, that you would give them and bless them with your ability to learn and put it into practice. And that, Father, you would turn this world right side up for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. I agree. Thank you. We are pleased that you are with us this morning. I'm I'm excited. I'm starting a new series this morning called Living Right Side Up in an Upside Down World. I don't know if there's ever been a time I've been more frustrated with the world than I am right now. I've never felt as helpless and hopeless as to the prospects of really seeing change. I'm honest. I've prayed, I've preached, I've prophesied, and I've even pouted. But I've never been more frustrated with knowing what in the world are we supposed to do with the world we're in. Well, thanks for encouraging us, preacher. Glad we were here. I'm going somewhere with this, so hang on. As I was talking to God about it, actually I was practicing my whining skill. I heard in my mind, just as clear as day, because I was talking about this world. And the Lord said, this is my world. That got my attention. I was talking about his world. I was whining about his world. And uh, it wasn't just a moment. It's clearly again I heard in my thoughts, Daryl, have you lost the gospel? 
Now, I know God doesn't ask a question to get an answer. He asked a question to give one. And so my response was, well, God, how have I lost the gospel or the good news? And uh, he didn't say anything. And over a couple of days, I was dealing with that. Daryl, this is my world, and have you lost the gospel? And uh, I was doing some searching and things, and I ran on to a, to a book online, and it was written by John Nugent. I don't know who John Nugent is. It doesn't matter. What matters is the title of the book was Endangered Gospel. How trying to fix the world is killing the church. Okay, God. So you're talking to me about the gospel. Well, I don't know about you, but for me, the gospel is that Jesus was born of a virgin, came, lived the life without sin. He died for our sin and rose again. And and whoever believes in Him will go to heaven when they die. die. That's the good news. And I reminded of Paul's words, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so I began to look up in the Scripture all the times the word gospel was used. The first one I ran on to is Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, and I want you to see it. It says, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now listen to me. Jesus was preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Jesus wasn't preaching the gospel of Jesus. Jesus was preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. (laughs) And then... Before Jesus ascends, he spends 40 days teaching his disciples about the gospel of the kingdom of God. And so I began to understand. Now, I've preached series on the kingdom of God, so I, I, that wasn't new to me. But for my understanding, God was saying, Daryl, you need to, you'll love this. Daryl, you need to understand the Bible. Thank you, Lord. I've been almost 50 years pastoring. I'm glad I need to know it now. And listen to me. And here's what he said. He said, you've preached the parts and the parcels. You're not telling the whole story. You see, we tend to have things underlined in our Bible that speak to us, don't we? And when you're reading the Scripture, you read the underlines. You like the promises and you like the principles. We like the teachings and the stories. We like to know the victories and those things. And it's amazing to me. We like the Psalms and the Proverbs and we like the passages and we like these things. And God said, Daryl, the Bible is one story. One story. But God is made up of 66 books. 66 books make up one volume. And it was written, 66 books was written over a span of 1,500 years. Written on three continents. Asia, and the Middle East, and Africa. And all of this, and all of this saying, but, but God just continued to say, but it's one story. Daryl, you've got to preach the story. My story. The Bible is my story. 
So I began to listen, and, and the Lord began to show me the single story from the origin of all things in Genesis 1 to the consummation and restoration of all things in Revelations 22. It's one story with many acts of God. It's a drama. It's a, it's, listen, it's more than a history book. What I want to get to you this morning, I've discovered I've got a new Bible because I've got a new story to tell. It's a complete story. It's not just about the beginning. It's not just about the old times. It's not about the New Testament times. It's about our time. It's about our time. It is the most relevant story to be told to this generation. It's a living story. It is a drama. And when I think of a drama, I think something that's going to be acted out, performed, lived. A drama is an activated story. The Bible was written so we could enter into God's story. It's meant to be lived. The canon of Scripture is finished. We don't need any more Bible. What we need is to understand the living story it's telling. We need to understand that it's not just something for religious people. It's something for life. It is the way we can live. It's the story of creation and and the consummation. It's the whole story of what this whole universe is about. I got a new Bible. And all of a sudden I've discovered that when I started looking at the Bible as a living story, I stopped letting it speak to the past or speak to to these things or speak principles. I just started to think about what if God was here to tell you His story this morning? It would start Act 1 in the drama of the Bible Act one would be creation. When God Himself, it, no man came up with this. God Himself spoke into the chaos, the emptiness, and created the world and the universes and the stars. And I believe because God spoke it into existence, that Word is still creating. It's going forth. The Word of God doesn't return. It doesn't stop. It goes on and on and on. And He created, when He created, He pronounced all of these things good. And then He created human beings. And He pronounced them very good because they were to be His image bearers to, to develop and care for this creation of His, demonstrating God's character and His kingdom as they live in a dependent, responding relationship with Him. God created it and it was good. Everything was good. And then Act 2 starts with the fall. God, the whole of God's good creation, including all human life, is contaminated By the human responsibility of distrust and rebellion, Adam and Eve believe the lie and they lose the glory of God's inbreathed life. Now there enters this tension between the goodness of creation and the evil that was trying to distort it and defile it. 
And now the question comes, can creation and humanity and God's good purpose be restored? Can it come back to what God intended? And this tension demanded a resolution. And in Genesis chapter 3, Act 3 starts with the resolution when God announces that He's going to crush sin. And He's going... To, to change this disastrous effects that were unleashed by Adam and Eve's mistrust. And yet, at that time, nothing changes. Adam and Eve are cast out of the garden. And evil spreads and multiplies. Idolatry spreads, spreads to all mankind. And God destroys this creation with with a flood and, and with one family restores again and they are to be the family that brings it back. And then through that, in the time of Abraham, God lovingly chooses and forms a special people with this mission. They were to reveal His redemptive purpose for the world. That God would be in their midst, in their temple, and in, in, in this holy place. And, and they would follow Him and they would walk with Him and they would be His people and He would be their God. And God brought them into a promised land to be a light to the nations and a channel of God's redemptive power to all peoples. God gives them the law and the sacrificial system and He gives them leaders called priests and kings and prophets and much more. All to, to tell the story of a life that points to God's intention of restoring His plan and His creation for all people. But His people, Israel, misinterpret God's choice. And they reveal that the power of sin is deeply rooted in the heart of man. And they began to be overcome by the darkness of their pagan neighbors. And yet through the prophets, God promises that a future Savior, the Chosen One, will usher in a worldwide, never-ending kingdom in the power of the Spirit. And the world will be renewed and sin and its effect will forever be done away with. And yet years passed and years passed and years passed. And then Acts 4, Act 4 starts that the promise of the prophet is kept and the chosen one, Jesus of Nazareth, steps on the stage of history. God in the flesh, born of a virgin, uh, a life lived without sin. And Jesus announces that He's been sent to fulfill Israel's calling by bringing God's redemptive redemption and deliverance to a broken world. The Spirit of God had anointed Him. He was bringing good news. And He announces the gospel of the kingdom, that it has arrived, and that God's power by the Spirit to liberate and heal creation is now present in Him. His life demonstrates and reveals the kingdom. The kingdom that God intends. The work was, was going on and he was, he was dealing with creation. He could calm the storm. He was also redeeming the, the men from disease and, and death. And then it just kind of a strange turn of events because no one expected it. This Jesus was rejected and taken to a cross. Man never understanding that it was the death of him taking the sin consequence of all mankind upon himself that became the victory of the kingdom. Sin and death in the grave is fully defeated. 
And His resurrection guarantees that the kingdom, God's kingdom, God's rule over His world and His purposes had been restored in this world. The work was finished and Jesus Christ is Lord. I want you to listen to me. He's not going to be Lord. He is Lord. He's not going to someday come back and be the King. He is the King. It's not that something we're waiting for. It started long before we got here. He set the kingdom in place in all of its power, but not all of its reality. When Jesus had done the work and He ascended back to the Father as He was fixing to go, He said, All authority has been given unto Me in heaven and earth. And as the Father has sent Me, I'm sending you. And these followers were to be called to continue the witness to the kingdom that Jesus had restored. That brings us to Act 5. There became a company of followers of Jesus called the Ecclesia, the church. They were a people who had the kingdom reality of Christ's presence in them. And they were literally a kingdom people. And I want you to understand, there was a progressive unfolding structure of the kingdom Jesus restored. The followers of Christ are living in the already of the kingdom and yet not the not yet of what will be. Jesus makes a startling announcement that the kingdom of God has arrived and He demonstrates it and yet... The end doesn't come. The prophets had said that there would be a final judgment and the reign of God with man, and yet it doesn't come. Even His disciples says, Lord, after His resurrected, Lord, are You now at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? If the kingdom has come, where is it? Where's the judgment? Where's the restoration? Where's the consummation? And Jesus gives His disciples and us a threefold answer. The kingdom will not come yet in all of its fullness. That's up to the Father's own timing. But the Holy Spirit will be given, and the Holy Spirit is going to bring the power and deliverance, the reality of the end time kingdom, right into the middle of history. God's story. The Holy Spirit is the deposit, the first fruit of the full harvest. He's the guarantee. He's the down payment of the full restoration of all things that's on its way. And usually that's where we would stop the story, but that's not where God stopped the story. Acts 6. Jesus is coming back. There's going to be a return and there's going to be a restoration. And I want to tell you, it's already in the story. It's not something that might be. It's already in the story. It's in the storyline of what God is saying, what God is doing. It's already in the storyline of the kingdom, the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ comes back to bring God's full restoration of all things. All the redeemed humanity and creation. Jesus returns as the world's judge and the rightful king. Evil will be destroyed and creation will be reclaimed and renewed. Pain and tears, regret and shame, suffering and death will be no more. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of God. God's original intention back in Genesis is going to be fully realized in Revelation 22. 
His presence will be fully and openly with us again as it was in the beginning of the story. It will be in the end of the story. The people's hope will be fully realized. The dynamic force of an indestructible life will course through the bodies. Sons and daughters along with the rest of creation will worship Him perfectly and fulfill their true calling. And God will be all in all and the whole world will be full of His glory. That's the gospel of the kingdom. That's the whole story. That's the single story. Listen to me. But it is a living story. It's not something for the past. It's not something even for the present. It is something for all time, past, present, future. It's a whole story. And it's God's story. This world is His. And His kingdom i got good news for you. His kingdom has come and is coming. The story will continue to unfold time without end throughout eternity. And I want to tell you something. Sometimes we think, well, when we get to heaven, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be over. Folks, listen. When you get to that place, it's just beginning of the rest of the story. It is going to be the eternity of what God has worked in time. God's not going to suddenly be done. He was done when He started it in the beginning. Because He already wrote the story of how it was going to be in the end. You say, preacher, why are you saying all this? Because we've got to get the story right. We're living in a world... Listen to me. We're living in a world that whoever controls the narrative controls the minds and hearts of people. And there's all kinds of stories out here. There's a conservative story and there's a liberal story. There's a political story. There's a historical story. There's all kinds of stories. Listen, you can have a parenting story. You can have a marriage story. All these people are telling you how to live. They've got a story for you to live in. God's got a story. An invitation. To live in His story. His story. It's just a single story. It has a beginning in God, but it has no end. Because God's never going to quit. And He's inviting us. Why why am I saying? Because He's inviting us in our generation into the story. Well, where are we in our generation? It's a living story. Where are we right now? I believe we're in Act 5. The Ecclesia. Here's something that most of us don't realize. We're in the same act Paul was in. For 2,000 years, we've been in Act 5. In the story. For 2,000 years, we've been... See, the, the story is progressing. You remember in Hebrews 12, it talks about the cloud of witnesses that are watching us. Do you know why they're watching us? Because they're in their, we're in their story. In fact, there's a scripture that says, we will fill up what was lacking. You see, God has every generation to be a part of the story until the end of time. The invitation. We are right now living in the invitation time 
to get into the story for our generation. We're still living in the already. Kingdom of God has come because Jesus brought it. But the not yet because it's not finished. So we, we are here dealing with sin and, and death and devil and the devil. And it's alive and well in, in, in this world. And yet at the same time, we have a kingdom. The kingdom of God that is alive and well. The power and the healing of the restoration. What's going to restore the whole creation. That power is available to us right now. And we are living in the tension, the war of the two. But whose story are we going to be living in? The story of sin and death or the story of life and power and resurrection? The invitation is to step out of the old and step into the story that's already been written. Well, I think we're living in the overlap of the ages, in the war. Well, God, why don't you just send Jesus today? How many of you would like Him to come today? How many of you are honest enough to say, the reason I want Him to come today is so that He could get me out of what I'm in? (laughs) You see, I don't want Him to come because of the story. I want Him to come because I want Him to fix my story. You see, we're all living according to somebody's story. We're all living according to somebody's story. And let me tell you, there's a world full of stories right now. There's a narrative for everything. But there's one single story that tells you about the end. All of those other stories that the world wants you to live in have no end They have emptiness and failure. They can say they'll work. How many of you know that people lie? How many of you know that people change their stories in the middle of the story? You see, right now we're living in a world full of story, narrative. And I think this is what I think more than anything. This is what God's saying to the church right now. Quit worrying about the stories of the world and pick up the story. Pick it up again. Hear what I'm saying. It's a living story. Listen to me. This is the most contemporary book in the world today. It is not just good for what was or it wasn't good for another religious way. It is the story of life. It is God's story overarching, telling you what has been, what will be, I mean what what is and what will be. It tells about the past. It tells you the present. tells you about the present. But it also tells you about your future. It's a full story. It's a full deal. Well, why doesn't Jesus come? I'm ready. We're still in the story. Hear me. We're still in the story. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord's not slack concerning His promise about the coming, as some count slackness, but He's long-suffering. He's patient. Now, you've got to hear this. He's patient toward us, 
not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Listen to me. God is giving a space in time. It's been 2,000 years so far. You do know Paul was expecting Jesus to come back in his day. You do know the first church in 300 when finally the church was taken out of persecution and they, they, had got, they thought that Jesus was going to be coming in their day. How many of you know that we believe Jesus is coming in our day? You understand that? Let me tell you when Jesus is coming. When the whole world, God's world, when the whole world has opportunity to hear the story and have an invitation to step into the story. You see, for God so loved His world that He gave His only begotten Son. He's a lot more patient than we are. You see, we just want some people to go to hell. Preacher, I can't believe you said... Listen, I I didn't mean that to be funny. When we're saying, Jesus, let it happen now, we're saying for everybody that doesn't know Jesus, I don't care about them... I care about my story. But God's not like us. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that He waited for you to get in the story? Aren't you glad He didn't, he didn't close it in Paul's day? Because we'd have never had a day. Matthew twenty four fourteen says, And the gospel of the kingdom, this story, will be preached in all the world as a witness as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. There is going to come an end. There's people telling you a story that there's not going to be an end. There's people telling you a story right now that says there is no end. Not only that there is no end, but there's, there's nothing after this. This is all you got. You see, we're all living according to somebody's story. And everybody's got one. The delay is because... God wants to give His world time. We're living in a day of invitation to live the story, to be a living testimony, a demonstration of the reality of the kingdom of God already here. And I guess that leads to the most important question I have for us this morning. Are you in God's story? Now, don't answer that real quick, because all of us, without exception, live our lives as a drama. And let me tell you, you can use the Bible to create your own story. You can use the, your verses, you can use your verses to talk about your story of what you believe. And God just said, Daryl, it doesn't matter what you believe. It matters whether you're in my story. You know, you know how many times a preacher's been wrong in 50 years? More than 50. And God is showing me today, Connie and I are seeing things in God's Word that we've never seen before in our life. And God is giving us an invitation to stop living by the stories of men. Stop living by our own story. You see, you're on a stage. You're on a stage. You're on a stage. Every day you're on a stage. What are you going to say? Who's directing? Who's producing your story? You see, it can be the story you've come up with for yourself. But if it's not God's story, let me tell you what the end of your story is. Nothing. 
What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, lives his story, and loses his soul? I'm always over here, aren't I? Let me come over here and talk to y'all. The story. Are you in God's story? If we're not answering these questions with a Bible script, we'll follow another story. We can't avoid living in someone's, by someone's stage instructions. How many of us are living by the stories of people and the expectations of men? When God has given us not only the living story, but the presence of the Holy Spirit who He promised would guide you into all truth. Okay. Today, God's inviting you to step into the story. And let me tell you something. Some of you already have, and the problem is you don't even know it. We prayed the prayer of, first, uh, of Colossians 1, 9 through 12 for our teachers as we started. I want you to look at verse 13 of Colossians 1, verse 13. He, Jesus, has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. God has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred, translated, tr- conveyed, transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Whatever translation you want to use, here's what God is saying. God delivered you from the power of darkness and transferred you into His kingdom, His, His Son. If you are born again, if you're trusting Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, if you're trusting the Holy Spirit to fill you and live through you, I've got good news of the kingdom. You're there. You're there. If you've come to trust Him in His finished work of the cross, if you call Him Lord, if you submit to His Spirit, you are right now in His kingdom with all of its rights, privileges, promises, and provisions. The world and the enemy, no one can take it away from you or take you out of it. You have been translated, conveyed, transferred, and it's already taken place. It's a done deal. You're in the same story as Paul and the apostles and Peter and every generation from the first generation until now. You're in the same story. And you are key to the story of the generations to come. It's your part in the story that's going to be the invitation to this world of the new creation and the kingdom of God and its fulfillment to come. Realize where you came from to believe. You were delivered. And that word delivered is rulema. It means to be rescued. It means to be delivered by a mighty act of power. It carries the picture of being snatched from the grave danger. It's a soldier going after a fallen comrade and he's carried him to safety. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 in the message translation, it says this, It wasn't too long ago that you yourself were mired in the old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled, exhaled, excuse me, disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. And yet you were rescued with a mighty hand from the power, the dominion, the kingdom of darkness. 
And I love the next words. You were conveyed into the kingdom of His dear Son. Conveyed. Methistomy. Methistomy. Meta means change. Histomy means the place you're standing. In other words, the moment... It's in the aorist tent. The moment you said yes to Jesus, you don't even have to know it happened. You don't even have to have an experience. The moment you said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit changed you from a place of darkness to a place of light. He changed kingdoms. You were in power and under the power and dominion of darkness and He transferred you into the kingdom of God's Son. It's a done deal. It's not going to happen someday when you die. It happened the day you said yes to Jesus. You say, well, preacher, I, I hadn't been living it that way. That's not His fault. You've just listened to other people's story. His story says this. He has delivered you from the power of darkness and conveyed you into the kingdom of His dear Son. It's a done deal. What does that mean? I am no longer in or subject to the domain of darkness. The devil has nothing on me in this world. I'm not obligated to live in submission to this world or anybody else's story. I'm not obligated to submit to the power of Satan or to the power of sin. So, preacher, what are you trying to say? Go back to verse 9. Let me read it from now from a perspective of a transferred kingdom. Let me tell you what I can do. I can be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. It means I can walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Why? Because I'm in His kingdom. It means I can be strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. It means I can give thanks to the Father who has qualified me to be a partaker of the inheritance of the end days of the saints of the light. in the light. I'm part of the story. I'm part of the story. Darkness has no place in me, has no power over me. I'm alive in His kingdom. I'm forgiven. I'm cleansed. I'm empowered. And I'm secure in His love. I'm in His story. Just like Peter, Paul, the cloud of witnesses. I'm a living participant in the kingdom story. How many of you like reading the book of Acts and all the things the Holy Spirit was doing? Acts only has 28 chapters. I'm inviting you to live in Acts 29. You say, well, there's not an Acts 29. Yes, there is. It's the story we're living today. Why don't we let the Holy Spirit act in our day? Why don't we let God do what He wants to do in our day? We're going to talk over the next two weeks of how we can live right side up in an upside-down world. Because, listen to me, before you can do that, you've got to get the story right. There's one story. It's not history. It's His story. And it's a living story. Let's get in on it. Amen? Stand with me in prayer. Father, I come to You recognizing that the Gospel didn't start in Jerusalem. It started in creation. 
when you started the story of what you were going to do and what you desired, and it is going to come to pass, it is as certain as the sun coming up today and going down tonight and coming up tomorrow. This is process, this process. We're living in literally the process of the story being finished. Lord, I pray that you would help us to open our eyes to your story, to your script. I pray that you would direct us by your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would give us stage signals to know what to say, when to say, and what to do. I pray you would show us how to walk in response, knowing the end is coming. Father, as we set our eyes on you and your story, help us see the falsehood in all other stories. Help us not be diverted or distracted. But Lord, that when we live in your script, it's going to work. It's going to declare and just demonstrate your kingdom. So Lord, there be one here this morning that's never said yes to Jesus. In the very moment they say yes, they will be transferred conveyed from a kingdom of darkness, a kingdom of death, to a kingdom of life in your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, if there's Christians here that have been living by everybody's story but yours, would you draw their attention back to the truth of your word and let them read a Bible anew, afresh, as a living story that they're invited into. May your name be glorified. And yes, Jesus, come soon. Let the world hear and know the gospel of the kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Whatever the Holy Spirit is saying to you, I invite you to respond. Step into the story as Amanda sings. morning right off I told you God is everywhere I also want you to know God doesn't change he's the same yesterday today and forever so when the spirit of God spoke through Jesus Christ in Mark chapter 1 he said come follow me he's still saying it today come follow me Pastor Daryl described it correctly we all have directors in our life they're telling us how to act and which way to stand and 
what we need to say and what emotions we should have when a situation arises. Do you need a new director? Do you need a new producer in the movie of your life? I need a new investor. (laughs) Amen? He's still saying, come follow me. In, in, in Jesus' day, he called his disciples. They went up, they prayed for the sick. They encouraged the downtrodden. There were people that prophesied. There were people that encouraged. He's asking you to do that still. His message hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. Come follow me. There's people in here right now that, that God's calling you. You need to pray for people. Pray for that guy. Look at him. He needs it. He needs me. Share my word. Share the little bit of word that God stuck in your head somehow. Like, there's this just verse just stuck in here. That's for somebody else. Share it. God's going to give you the chance to do it. Just do it. Come follow me. Amen. We at New Covenant ask that we all know, hear, and respond to Jesus Christ through relationship with him and each other. Y'all have done an amazing job of that. I have a praise report I want to share with you. I forgot this in first service, so I hope you get to see it online. Uh, in June, we had the baby bottle drive for New Beginnings of Restoration and Hope. They finally all came back. Thank you all for bringing your bottles back. The total that we were able to bless them with is over $5,000. Amen. That was your generosity through God's obedience. You listen to him. He said, I need you to give. You gave. They're blessed. That's part of it. Another part of that is this month, our life groups are going to start back off. Okay? We have life groups for everybody, men, women. We even have them for the kids. It's Wednesday night, NCC Kids. Okay, We have them for singles, young adults. Go to newcovenantlandpasses.com. Find one that fits. Get in a relationship with somebody. We've even got one this semester for brand new Christians. If you've never been in a Bible study, if you've never attended a small group, it's just going to be an overview of what is the New Testament. It's not deep. It's not hard. It's just a bunch of people getting together to learn what does the Bible say about where we're at. Come follow me. Let me pray for you real quick. Father God, I thank you. You're still calling us. Holy Spirit, speak to us as individuals. Lord, talk to us deep down in our souls in that area that we know that it can only be you speaking to us. Lord, you're a personal God, and I believe you can speak to us personally. Give us ears to hear and give us the strength and the face to step out into where you call us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message.